This episode contains a scene with physical violence. Please listen with care. I've tried to block him from my life. In that 18-year time frame, there has been times that I've gone without talking to him for about a year, a couple of years, and done really well. And then he'll call me. <laughs> and then it starts all over again. Today's episode, Yolanda. Let's talk about Twin Flames. According to Greek mythology, a twin flame describes a special cosmic destined relationship that occurs when one soul is split in two before life. And during life, these souls are now mirror images of each other. This results in an instant connection when twin flames meet. A connection, or rather a reconnection, unlike anything ever felt. Yes, there's undeniably something romantic and appealing about this concept. But... There's also something dangerous about how some people might interpret this. Personally, I met a lot of people in harmful, toxic, and tumultuous relationships who tried to convince me that they had to endure the pain because their lover was no ordinary person. They were their twin flame. Our guest Yolanda has experienced that magnetic pull of a twin flame, and it nearly landed her in jail. So... I hope you're ready because we're going straight into the fire on this one to find out what this love story is all about. All of those moments we tried, all of those tears that I cried, I won't hold on no more. I gotta let go. What's going on? My name is Sham Boudram. I'm a sex educator and a relationship expert. From Headspace Studios and Frequency Machine, this is Hung Up. This is my time. Before we hear Yolanda's story, we need to know why she needs my help. So, here's a voice message from her. Hi, Sham. I am a 50-year-old woman, and I've been stuck on the same man now for 18 years. I know Richard and I have the strongest connection I've ever had, but I also know that our connection hasn't always uh, been easy or healthy. Honestly, at times, Shan, it's, it's been volatile, so I need your help in understanding my attachment to this man. Now that I'm older and have more life experience, you know, is this our time or is this thing with Richard really, really, really standing in the way of me meeting and fully committing to someone else? I, I really need answers. And this is just, I feel the one place I can get it. Now, most of us, we can relate to being in a toxic relationship that we just can't seem to get away from. But even though many of us have been there, how we got there and where we go to next... Well, that's unique. So we still have a lot to uncover with Yolanda, especially concerning her favorite subject, Richard. Hi. Hello, oh my, my love. Oh my God, this is surreal. Oh my goodness. Well, I hope that this ends up being a surreal experience for you. You get a ton out of it. But before we get out of it, we got to figure out how we got in it <laughs> and where we are. So... Tell me your sort of kind of love story. You know what, Shan? I met Richard in 2004 when I had just moved to Colorado. 
We met in a grocery store, and it's too funny. My grandmother used to tell me when I was a little girl, don't leave the house looking crazy because you don't know who you're going to meet in the bologna aisle. You know what I mean? Hilarious. (laughs) And I did. I met him at the grocery store. My babies were little. I was headed to the store after work to get diapers. And then next thing you know, here comes Richard, literally out of nowhere. And he says, so, you know, what's up? What's your name? He is super attractive, very nice smile, charming and all these things. He followed me around the grocery store was just talking to me. I'm like, I've got to grab some things. I'm just getting off work. But I didn't shy him away because he was attractive yet. It was interesting. I had made it up in my mind. I was not giving him my phone number because there was something inside of me that was like, I mean, he's probably a player because he's really something to look at. Mm. However, what changed my mind was I'm checking out my groceries. And he says to me, well, can I get your number? The, the older lady checking us out was like, you probably don't even have a car or a job. And it felt like my grandmother was watching over me because that's something I think my grandma would do. That's amazing. I sat back and I looked at him and I thought for sure he was gonna be rude. He looked at her and he said, no ma'am, I have a car and a job. And she said, what kind of job? And he was like, I, I'm in real estate. And she said, mm-hmm. She said, well, someone as beautiful as she is, you need to be doing something to be asking her for her phone number. He said, no, ma'am, I have a car. It's right outside. I have a job. That changed my mind. Mm-hmm. I said he was raised right. He could have easily been like, lady, keep checking these groceries. You're in my business. Or maybe not even acknowledged her. But he respectfully answered her. And then he followed me to my car, opened my car door, and his smile radiated through me and was like, so you gonna give me a number? And I was like, okay. As soon as I gave him my phone number, we spent a period of eight months together almost every day. Oh, wow. He courted me. He bought me flowers to my job, thoughtful, outside of the box. I hadn't been treated like that before. He was with me all the time, and he had a two-year-old son at the time, and then my daughters were 18 months apart at the time. So we we just became a little family. So you were in a committed partnership. You had merged families. So when did things take a turn? So he started showing up late, um, Shan, at about 2 or 3 in the morning. And, you know, at that point, I felt like he was cheating. Mm. And... When I finally came down to talking to him about it, he said, I like variety. And how did you feel about that? You know, I'm a monogamist, and I know that about myself. And I'm also very territorial. And I, it wasn't healthy. Right. I couldn't do that. I, you're out here cheating on me? Are you crazy? I will, mm-mm, I will get you. So what happened next? <laughs> Caught him cheating. And we had just gotten back from Vancouver, Canada. He had taken me out of the country, the first man to ever do that as well. And um, we get back and he started distancing himself. I started noticing he has like a cycle. He'll just pick a fight with me just so he can feel justified in cheating. Because there was no reason. We had just gotten back from Canada. And I went out to a club because I wasn't sitting back here twiddling around trying to, you know, worry about you. I was out and about and he wasn't answering his phone. And I decided to pull over at a 7-Eleven or some little convenience store and call from a payphone since he wasn't answering my phone calls. He finally answered his phone and we were arguing, we we're going back and forth. And he told me that I was nothing to him 
but sex. Oh my gosh. And I said, what? In my mind, sex is showing up at your door. Because sex doesn't give you a key to her house, let you around her children, feed you. Oh. Hell no. So I showed up at his door and there was a car parked in the driveway that wasn't his. And he opened the door and he's, you're out of pocket showing up at my house like this. And I was like, who's here? We just get back from Canada. Who's here? I tried to barge in his house and he pushed me. And then he closed the door on me. Wow. And I happened to have an envelope opener in my car. And I got out and just sex it on her car. His one of his other cars, just one tire on each one of his cars and left. Wow. Really? Yeah, I say this is when things started to take a major turn for the worse. I did get arrested for this and I almost landed in jail. Oh. I was hoping that we could get past the issue of him needing to see other women, but no. Okay. Let's just take stock of things here. Sure. At this point, it's been almost two decades since all of that went down. And Richard is still a factor in your life, right? Yes. I've tried to block him from my life. There's been in that 18-year time frame where, you know, as I got stronger and tired of the bull, (laughs) I, you know, all right, I'm going to do me. Let me date. Let me do me. Let me, you know, and not talk to him. There has been times that I've gone without talking to him for about a year, a couple of years, and done really well. And then he'll call me. And then it starts all over again. So when was the last time he reached out? He called me a month ago, and um, I answered. And he's just recently married, and he was drinking, and he just let it out. He just apologized to me for everything he's done to hurt me and stated I need to change nothing about myself, that I was wonderful to him, and that I set the bar as well. And he doesn't know why. He never chose me, and he apologized for that. And that's what you've always wanted? Yes. And how did that call impact you? Did that call cause you to become hung up all over again on the possibility? Honestly, yeah. Honestly. You know I've been married twice since I met Richard, but he's always managed to pull me out of those relationships. If not physically then he does it mentally. It's like he has this power over me because of this connection that we have. And obviously uh, this affected my recent marriage the most and the connection I felt with my ex-husband. And now I'm alone. Well, Richard is currently married, but let's just say that there's a way for the two of you to recommit to each other, right? You're monogamous, Richard is not. So what would this version of a relationship even look like for you? I am a monogamist, but I'm starting to believe that I'm okay with, I'm not like cutting that off anymore because of the programming. Like you have to be with a man and if you don't, you're going to hell. I don't have all that anymore. I've done that work. It also sounds like to some extent you've experienced polyamory because even though you've Mm -hmm. moved on and loved and made other connections, it doesn't sound like you ever completely let go of Richard. No, I haven't. He's tatted on my finger. (laughs) Do you feel like at this present point, the what ifs around Richard 
are stopping you from completely being open to new love? Yes. I would love to be in love. I'm 50 and I'm, you know, I'm at my peak. Yes, yes, you are. So here's what we need to figure out, okay? So some people are lifelong stories and some are short stories that we turn into lifelong lessons. What you need to figure out is which one of those ultimately describes what you and Richard share. Yes, I don't know what to do. Yolanda feels like she cannot get the answer to this without hearing directly from Richard. And the good news is, Richard has agreed to get on a call with us to give Yolanda that clarity once and for all. But we'll get to that and so much more after the break. So, like I said, Richard is down to get on a call with Yolanda, and personally, I'm looking forward to this call so that I can get a better understanding of their connection. What I've gotten so far is that Yolanda is still completely hung up on the promise of Richard based on who he was to her and how he made her feel before he started cheating 18 years ago. Before the call with Richard was set, our team was able to schedule another crucial conversation with Yolanda's oldest daughter, Kylin. Kylin saw her mom's relationship with Richard from the beginning, and there were some things that she thought we had to know before our chat with him. Anybody from an outside perspective would think that my mom and Richard were perfect for each other. They're an amazing looking couple. Um, They like to do the same things, yet it was never enough for Richard. So by the end of the relationship, they just weren't good anymore. He was cheating. Um, She felt dejected. And from there, it continued to spiral. And now, 18 years later, their relationship has become more, more of an addiction for my mom. It's held her back from truly committing to other relationships I've seen her in. If my mom were to not move past this ideal of wanting to be with Richard, what would ultimately be at stake is not meeting anybody and remaining single for the rest of her life. That's not something that I want for my mother. Leave it to a daughter to see it and call it for what I also suspect that it is. An addiction, specifically a love addiction. And like any addiction, if the relationship between the two becomes unhealthy, it becomes a real, real problem for the addict. So, one of the core principles in evolutionary psychology describes love as a neurochemical mechanism that keeps people bonded in order for the procreation, survival, and thrival of our species. In short, the reason why you can't seem to get away from that person that you love so much, who hurts you even more, well, that might have a whole lot more to do with evolution than destiny. If Yolanda does not get off this roller coaster ride with Richard, she might end up alone, which is something that I don't want for this vivacious woman. Yolanda lights up a room, or in our case, a Zoom. And let me tell you, she really turned up the shine for our call with Richard. I'm talking hair done, nails done, everything did at nine in the morning. I can't put my camera on for sure now. I'm incredibly underdressed for the occasion. <laughs> I'm blushing over here. You're about to go get your Tony. Shan, I'm just so grateful to be getting the clarity from this Richard situation that I've been waiting for for 18 years. Yolanda wanted to jump on this call 10 minutes before Richard showed up to fill me in on some new information. I also have new information to share around what her daughter shared, which really could affect her mindset toward Richard going into our call. You know, a lot has been happening since we last spoke. But she is already five steps ahead of me. 
this whole thing has had me like go back in my archives and and think about everything that I've dealt with as it pertains to Richard. And now I'm looking at it through different lenses because I've done the work to get myself where I am today. I know my worth now. And so I've been kind of going back and looking at all of what I've experienced over this past 18 years. And I'm just like, girl, how did you allow yourself? Do you think it was just saying everything out loud and just hearing yourself mm -hmm. tell the story? Yeah. I have not had anybody to talk to about it. Other than to my psychologist, I did speak to her about it as I was going through the work to heal from my past traumas, which was a six-year process to reprogram myself, but not like this, not like what we're doing to actually now focus solely on how can I get past this. I haven't had that opportunity before. And she still hasn't, because 30 minutes later, we're still waiting on Richard. This isn't like him. If he commits to something, I will say, outside of females, if he commits to something, he will generally do it. Because I didn't force him into this. So for him to not be showing up right now... Should we just call him? Sure. Here we go. And I text him too, and he hasn't responded to me, so... As you can hear, we got his voicemail. So with that and many unanswered emails and texts sent from Yolanda, it's obvious that he's standing her up. I know this has been really hard for you. Yes. I can't get those years back. When we you know, talked the first time, there was this sense of, is this my twin flame? And it's a belief system that is helpful for some people. I think in the cases of toxic relationships, it can be extremely harmful because it tells us that the hard times are part of a story. It tells us that this is what we're meant to go through to get to the good part. But then eventually, 18 years later, you have to look back and say, I don't think it's worth it. And speaking to you and your daughter, I think fighting to keep this relationship with Richard alive after 18 years of turmoil has become less about your actual connection to him and more about an addiction to him. And this is actually a thing that many people, including myself, Yolando, I've been through this too. It's called love addiction. Okay. How does it feel to consider this ongoing relationship with Richard, not through the lens of destiny, but instead to view it through the lens of an unhealthy bond and an addiction. I didn't see it that way, but I guess it was. You know, addiction is a thing in my family. My mother did crack. My dad was an abuser and all these different things. And I was like, I'm never going to be that. But I was addicted to this man. And that's crazy for me to realize it in that way. I don't want to be addicted to an unhealthy situation and yet I was for so long but now that I understand it to be the case that that's what it was I don't want that I, I don't ever want that yes well now that you have this awareness that Richard is an addiction how do you plan to move forward I have to use my tools and push forward and let that go I mean completely let that go like I can't go near that it's too unhealthy and it has never been a contribution to me. It hasn't 
empowered me to be better or brought anything good to my life whatsoever. So seeing it for what it is rather than the fantasy. That's the truth. Um, I do see that Richard has held me back and there's some things that I feel as a result of that impacted my last marriage with my ex-husband Keith. And I would like Keith and I to have that conversation. Okay. So to clarify, is this a conversation that's about you apologizing and making amends? Yes. I'm curious if you can answer this right now. Do you know in what ways your relationship with Richard impacted your marriage with Keith? Um, Keith and I dated for some time. Keith was attentive, great listener, awesome person. He's a musician, very gifted, talented, creative spirit like myself. I told Keith in the beginning when we got together the deep connection I felt to Richard. Do you feel like that might have impacted your ability to fully get close and fully lean into your marriage? Initially, no. I was all in. But Keith and I had some intimacy issues that were between he and I. Things went downhill from there, honestly. How so? You know, in one of our counseling sessions, uh, he just mentioned that his intimacy issues were a result of you know, my still being in love with Richard. And eventually, uh, we just, we just, we couldn't do it. We got divorced. I, I really wanted fully to be in love with Keith, but I wasn't in love with him on the same level that I was with Richard. So this leads us to Keith, a gentle soul who responded instantly to our email about this call with Yolanda. And unlike Richard, Keith actually showed up. I want to thank you for taking the time to do this. I'm glad that I'm able to come on here and have my little part to help you through this process. So, Keith, I want to just cut to the chase on this one. What role do you think Richard played in yours and Yolanda's marriage? The first time that it kind of caught me off guard was when I seen the name tattooed on, on her finger. It made sense to her, but it didn't make very much sense to me. And I could be mistaken, but... From what I know, they was having phone conversations, even sometimes with me literally right in the next room. And there was comparisons and things like that, and I'm like, this just, it's just not going to go away. There's no way in the world that she is over this person. I apologize for putting you in the place that I did where I put you in a position to save me from Richard. That's not something we should have started out on. That wasn't intentional by no means. I wanted to embrace you completely for who you are, and you know that, you know. I showed up for you in ways that you had expressed that no other woman had, and you showed up for me in ways that no other man, including Richard, had. So I did want to and had intention to love you completely for you, and I apologize if I hurt your feelings in any way or even compared you to Richard, because there is no comparison. You're Keith. You're your own individual, and you have your own gifts and your own contributions. Keith, I'd love to know from your perspective, do you feel like while there was still love, not necessarily the same kind of love she had for you, but while there was still love for this ex-partner, that she was ever able to truly fully commit and love you? I think subconsciously, no because of our own separate issues aside from that. And we hadn't really had a chance to fully develop our own 
connection and you know they had been in each other's lives for way longer than she had ever even known me so they had a connection on so many other levels than we were able to even get to so it caused me to really shut down i knew you loved me because you took care of me but when it came down to where it was just you and me behind closed doors we couldn't cross over and i know some of that had to be or had to do with my connection to richard um which you knew about going in into this but i have to say overall the intimacy issues made me think of richard more and for that i am i'm sorry i'm sorry for that sometimes we create this fantasy world where we don't have to deal with these problems because there's this other person who we're truly meant for and then we lean into the fantasy rather than really being 10 toes down into the reality that isn't necessarily the healthiest coping mechanism either yes is there any last reflections that you want to share with keith keith i i love you and you are an amazing man and you're deserving of love on the level that you desire as well and again i apologize if i hurt you um i did not intend to do that and i apologize for not understanding why you were feeling the way you were feeling and getting angry about that cuz that wasn't cool either and for me going forward i just want to have and i desire to have a healthy strong and beautiful friendship with you Thank you so much. Maybe you guys should talk about writing the book for how ex-husbands and wives should communicate. I will definitely read it. I will buy a copy. I, I really wish how we're having conversations now could have been how we had conversations right? then. You look back, you be like, gosh, I wish yeah. I could have just did something slightly different and maybe yeah. we would be in a different position, you know? From what I just heard, I think they are in a different position and one where a beautiful friendship can bloom. After Keith signed off, Yolanda and I stayed on to finish out this powerful call and talk about her giant leap forward and away from Richard. Yolanda. Yes. We started the call with tears. We're ending the call with tears. Tell me the difference between the two tears. What are you crying about now? I'm just grateful that he showed up and mm. gave me the opportunity. He showed up. No one's ever shown up for me like that before, but he's always shown up. He's always been that way. I just have this peace now because I was able to say I apologize. You know, I, I literally now can acknowledge I didn't have I didn't have that piece of it before. I didn't know Richard was such this big hindrance in me moving forward. I didn't even think about it that way. That this all of this was really hindering me from my ultimate and true happiness in, in having a successful and healthy and strong relationship. As you can clearly hear, Yolanda finally has a vision for her future without Richard. She also is now beginning to see that his long-running hold on her heart probably had a lot more to do with love addiction than an unfulfilled destiny. If you or someone you know can relate, I want to let you know that there are some incredible resources to help with love addiction. For example, the Center for Healthy Sex offers an online workshop, and I also recommend that everyone checks out my fave breakup book, Conscious Uncoupling by Katherine Woodward. Love addiction is a neuropsychological disorder that can be very difficult to break free from, so please seek help 
and seek support wherever you can. And this is advice I also gave to Yolanda. I don't want you to feel like you're responsible for overcoming this all on your own. Because you've come a long way. You've come a long way by yourself. You've done a lot of work by yourself. And I think this next step, you deserve a hand. I know I have some work ahead of me, uh, yet I've, I've come this far. And I, I plan to, to put in that work and do what's necessary because I deserve a better life. And I do deserve to have love and have it be beautiful and not toxic. Uh, I will no longer allow the Richard saga to, you know, hinder my progress and keep me from what ultimately I desire and deserve in life. And that's true love. Yes, Yolanda, you are deserving. I last checked in on Yolanda a month or so after this call, and to say she was thriving might be an understatement. But don't take my word for it. Shan, I I can't express enough my deepest thanks because I have a name now to what this connection was with Richard, and the breast is uphill from here. And I'm learning so much more every day, which is empowering. I feel so much stronger now that I have the tools that I need to move forward and draw better situations to me. And what does the future look like in Yolanda's eyes? Now, I'm focused on a Richard-free existence. If you or anyone you know is a victim of domestic violence, find support at the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. On the next episode of Hung Up, you know when dating can feel like a full-time job, right? Well, that grind is worth it when you do meet the one. And for Beth Ann, her one on Tinder led to a whirlwind romance where they were both on the same page about everything. Marriage, babies, the white picket fence. It was perfect. Mm, Until it wasn't. I used to be a hopeless romantic, and now I've become an unhopeless romantic. Find out why on the next episode of Hung Up. If you or someone you know is hung up after a breakup, we want to hear from you. Email us at hungup at frequencymachine.com. And if you like the show, spread the word. Reaching more people means helping more people. And don't forget to hit follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Thank you for listening. And I'll see you next episode. Hung Up is a production of Headspace Studios and Frequency Machine. It is produced by Caroline Slaughter and Rachel Borders for Frequency Machine and Danny Carissimi for Headspace Studios. It's executive produced by Morgan Selzer, Sarah Cohen, and Baron Farmar for Headspace Studios and Dominique Ferrari, Stacey Book, Avi Glajanski, and Sarah Heppela for Frequency Machine. It is hosted and produced by yours truly, Sham Boudram, Audio engineering and technical magic from Jared Brady. Editing, sound design, and post-production wizardry by the amazing Julian Kwasniewski and Bay Area Sound. Development at Headspace Studios was led by Leah Sutherland. And special thanks to Adam Krasner. Until next time.